0: We are wrapping up our Read Your Bible series today, and I have the honor and privilege of bringing the last message in the series. Just a little bit of clarification on that. We're going to be covering 2 Peter today. The previous three weeks, we covered 1 Peter. There are five chapters in 1 Peter, and Chris and Matt have done a great job of talking about those. There are three chapters in 2 Peter, and I have to cover all of them today, so buckle up, buttercup. We got a long way To go, I'm going to try to get you out quicker than I did the last service. Uh, I'll just put that to you that way. But one thing that I love about Journey, among the many things I've already talked about, is we have a culture of question. Uh, We want you guys to ask questions. So if you have a question about something that is said today, there is a number there. There's an email address. You can text or email those questions in. We love to get those questions. And sometimes those questions actually become sermon series. On down the road. So don't be afraid. Something you may be wanting to ask that you may think, oh, everybody else knows that. Everybody else may not know that. And we may need you to ask that question so that we can clarify things for other people. So don't hesitate to do that. Now, as we go through our Read the Bible series, obviously the reason we go through the Read Your Bible series every year is because we want you to read your Bible. It's an important part of the Christian faith, it's an important part of our walk with God. Uh, God gave us a great. And I don't mean to make the Bible sound trivial by by saying this, but God gave us an instruction manual on how to live this Christian life. But uh, And especially speaking to the male of the species, that a lot of times we don't like to read the instruction manual. We're putting things together. You need this for your life, folks. And this is just something that we do each year to try to help you understand the process. And the way that we go through this process, one of the ways we encourage you to study your Bible or read your Bible, is a process called SOAP and that's just an acronym and what it stands for is scripture because if you're going to read the Bible, scripture is an important part of that because the Bible is scripture. You need to pick scripture to read. Ever how you do that is entirely up to you. You can get involved in a daily reading plan. There are a lot of great devotional guides out there. One of the things that we have available for you if you've got the little card in the back pocket of your seat, there's a QR code on there that you can scan that will link you up to the Bible app, which is a great app because it gives you access to basically any translation of the Bible you might possibly want to use in your reading and your studying but also we at Journey Church have some reading plans that we post from time to time and you're able to join up with that and partner with other people within the church online as you read those you can type in comments and things like that and also on the back of your card are the scriptures that we're going to be focusing on today you'll notice it's a little different this week than most weeks because there is no one scripture that's highlighted in green and that was intentional Because there are so many things that we're going to cover today. There, There wasn't one huge chunk of scripture I wanted to point out as the main one. I want us to focus on all of them. So I guess I probably should have had Whitney just make all of them, you know, with a green block around them. But with that said, this process involves scripture. And you're going to get a lot of that today. But after you go through the scripture and read the scripture, the next step is observation. Okay, what do I see in this passage of scripture that I feel like God is speaking to me out of? And to me, the cool thing about the Bible is it is a living, breathing book. Uh, if you've never picked up a Bible, I don't want, that's a metaphor. I don't want to freak you out with that. But I can read a passage of Scripture today and get something out of it, and I can read the same passage of Scripture tomorrow, and the Holy Spirit will reveal something completely different to me out of that. So these observations are important because I believe those are the things that the Holy Spirit's saying to us as we read through Scripture. And then application newsflash you can do all the scripture reading in the world you can make all the observations in the world but if you aren't applying what you've learned what you've been doing is useless i mean that's just common sense folks but you got to apply this stuff and then the last one is pray now personally i like to put the pray part at the beginning as i get ready to go through scripture but psao doesn't spell anything um so those, kind, those things are kind of interchangeable at some point. So with that said, let's pray as we get started this morning. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come together and just to study your word and just to spend time with you and to spend time with your people. And Father, I pray that you'll just be with us as we gather here today and be with those that are online joining us today and just help us to hear from you today. And we pray that you'll be honored and glorified in everything that we do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay. Okay. So where we, how we got to this point today, over these last three weeks, in 1 Peter, Chris kicked us off, did a great job with that, and he talked about 1 Peter 1 and 2, and he talked about hope. And if you know anything about Journey Church, hope's an important part of Journey Church because it's part of our mission statement, because we exist to humbly point everyone to absolute hope. What I, one of the things I love about Journey is, if you've been here any length of time, you know why we're here. We exist to humbly point everyone to absolute hope. And 1 Peter 1 and 2 talks about that hope. 1 Peter 3 and 4, Matt talked about the suffering that we go through. And here's the thing about suffering. Whether you're a believer or not, you're going to go through suffering. Things are going to happen. Life happens. But the good news is, as a believer, I don't go through that suffering alone. I get to go through that suffering with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, with God to help guide me through those situations and circumstances that I may face in life that are difficult. And then last week, uh, Matt talked about Matthew, or First First chap- Peter chapter 5, talked about humility. And it's a great message because he talked a lot about the difference between being humble and being humbled. You want to be humble. You don't want to be in a situation where you have to be humbled. If you don't believe me, go back and check it out because I don't have time to recap all of that today. Because here's the ground that we get to cover today. In Second Peter, we're going to talk about three main things, and I'm going to ahead and putting those up at the beginning so you sort of know where we're headed as we go down this kind of curvy road today. Chapter 1, we're going to talk about growing in your faith, and we're going to talk about the importance of Scripture and how it relates to that process of growing in your faith. Chapter 2, we're going to talk about recognizing false teachers because, they're, believe it or not, I know it's going to come as a shock to you, there are people out there in this world that want to lead you astray. I know you know we don't want to accept that, but that is the reality of life. And then number three, we're going to talk about something that Dan's very familiar with, the day of the Lord. And I'm going to go ahead and say this, as we get into that, we're not going to talk so much about specifically the day of the Lord, end times, eschatology, any of that. Dan Fatal's, you've got to go to for that. You still do the Friday class? Okay. If you're really interested in that seriously, you need to talk to Dan and get involved in that because there's more than we can cover in a year of Sunday mornings in that. But we're going to still talk about it some today as it relates to how we live our life. So with all that in mind, let's jump into our first passage of scripture coming out of 1 Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. I didn't put 1 and 2 in here because that's basically just Peter doing the, you know, dear church, this is Peter type thing, the salutation. So here we go, jumping in, verse 3. By his divine power... God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Now, I'm going to stop and kind of do observations as I go through the passages today, and I've highlighted a lot of those in yellow. I love this word. What has God given us as it relates to living a godly life? Everything we need for living a godly life. That blows my mind. Now, are we all living the godly life we need to live? Chances are no. I don't know about you guys, I can only speak for myself, but I screw up from time to time on a regular basis daily. There are plenty of people you can ask and they will confirm that. But that's not God's fault. I can't say, well, God, you didn't give me the information I need to be able to live this godly life you want me to live. Yeah, he did. If you don't have one of these, we have them free, they're available for you. under the communion stations up here and they're also as you go out the door it's our gift to you please take one if you don't have a copy of Scripture it's great to have a physical copy that you can hold in your hand why because in that God has given us everything we need for living a godly life we have received all of this by coming to know him in other words that's for people that are a believer people that have a relationship with Christ and the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous Gloria glory and excellence looking further He says And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So that gives us a little insight into what godly living looks like. It's gonna allow us to share his divine nature. It's gonna allow us to help live more in the image of God in which we were created. And it's also going to help us escape The corruption caused by human desires but we have to choose to do that God doesn't get you out of the situation that you find yourself in whether you deliberately got yourself in that situation or not but God does give you a means by which that you can know how to get out of that situation so the tools for godly living are there but let's jump a little further and see okay what does that you know godly living is possible through what he's done for us, but what does that godly living look like on a day-to-day basis as you go through your life? How do you want others that come in contact with you to see godly living reflected in the way that you live your life? And that's what the next passage touches on. He says, in view of all this, meaning in view of what we just talked about, make every effort to respond to God's promises, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and it keeps on going, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now, this is one of those parts of Scripture today that there is too much, really, I felt like, to completely unpack in this one passage. So here's my challenge for you guys. Sometime this week, Take some time one day to sit down and on your own soap chapter one of 1 Peter. And then some other time this week, sit down and soap chapter two. And then some other time, sit down and soap chapter three. Because while we're covering three chapters and I'm trying to hit the highlights, I honestly do not feel like I'm able to do justice, just, that wasn't the right word, justice to what I need to be saying. And if I did do that, you would be here for a lot longer than you want to be here listening to me today so promise me you'll go back and look at to it look at it deeper but as I've gone through that passage and he talks about these things that finally end up with brotherly love for everyone I think in a nutshell as we go through the process we see that the end result should be us loving everybody you say well Randy do we really need to love everybody I I know I've said this before but I always think it bears repeating if you look at Scripture, Scripture teaches us that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul. So we're supposed to love God. If you look at the story of the Good Samaritan, uh, we learned that we are supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love our neighbor. We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. In order to love our neighbor, we have to love ourselves. And that's not talking about being vain or anything. It's just talking about we need to understand that we're loved and God loves us. So we need to love God, love our neighbor, love ourselves, and then. There's another passage of scripture that talks about we're supposed to love our enemies. So if we're supposed to love God, we're supposed to love our neighbor, we're supposed to love ourselves, and we're supposed to love our enemy, here's a little tidbit of information you can take with you and stick it in your back pocket for somebody you're going to encounter this week that you probably don't want to encounter. You are not going to run into anybody on the face of this earth during the course of your life that God has not instructed you to love loving does now preface that by understanding loving does not mean condoning their actions but we are still supposed to love everybody because god neighbor myself and enemy that that covers everybody folks right talk to me make are you alert okay just making sure you're out there it's okay to respond i don't mind that but now and again i'll put it in terms of a parent uh, because if you're a parent you understand this you love your child You love your child as unconditionally as you can possibly love any other human being, but that does not mean that you condone every action that your child does. But still, that does not mean you do not love your child. In fact, the fact that you don't condone everything that they do and you tell them that you don't condone everything they do is, in a sense, a means by which you love that child. God does not condone everything that we do, but He still loves us. We are to love everyone. So, that leads me to this application that i have to keep in front of me that while our salvation is secure the moment we accept god i am one of those people that believes that once you get saved because god's the one that saves me i didn't do anything in it he saves me he's going to keep me he's the one in charge of that uh it's god's free gift of forgiveness but godly living does not come naturally and it takes effort and we have to work through those things that we talked about In those verses and they're a lot like the fruit of the Spirit too when I read through those it kind of reminded me of the passage where Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit so it's possible God has given us everything we need but it takes effort on our part to achieve it good news is we don't have to do it alone we have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us to help us and if you're involved in a body of believers you also have the support of your brothers and sisters in Christ around you as long as you're willing to take advantage of that to help you live and grow in Christ. So, moving right along, our next passage, 2 Peter Peter 1.20 says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So, what does that tell me as I look at this? Whether we like it or not, this book is the final authority on understanding god's plan and our place in it does that mean that god does not speak to us through other means i hope not because if god can't speak to us through somebody speaking then it's kind of useless for me to be standing up here today yes god can speak to us through people that are speaking he can speak to us through relationships he can speak to us through circumstances and situations but here's the thing we always have to keep in mind if we feel like God is speaking to us through the power of the Holy Spirit and what we feel like is being said to us contradicts this book, guess what? What you think you're hearing is wrong. Uh, it may be a matter of you're misinterpreting it or it may just be a matter of Satan and one of his demons is whispering in your ear. But if it contradicts this, always go with this. That's the point that I think Peter is trying to get across in that first passage or the first chapter because it leads directly into his teaching on false teachers in chapter 2. So let's take a look at that now. But there were also false prophets in Israel, because remember he just talked about it was the prophets that wrote out Scripture, but there were, you know, newsflash, false prophets then, just, that just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality, and because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. Does that kind of sound familiar as far as it relates to false teachers? Maybe there's an ulterior motive in those false teachers' actions. But God condemned them from long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed now pay attention to that word destruction because we're gonna see God talk about the destruction and destroying these false teachers on a regular basis but what I want us to get out of this and park here for just a second is that there is a difference between false teaching and false teachers now hang with me for just a second on this one because <clears throat> I come from a Southern Baptist background Uh, You guys know that. I've talked about that before. Matt has come out of the same background. And if you look around, there is a different denomination on every corner, right? Um, And for 23 years, I was a full-time minister in Southern Southern Baptist Church. And I will tell you this, even when I was in the Southern Baptist Church, there were things that the Southern Baptist Church taught that they said that this is what Scripture says that I didn't necessarily agree with that was really what Scripture was saying. And I won't go into deep details on that, but, I mean, it was some things on women in ministry, their view of divorce, view of alcohol, you know, just a few different things like that. And if you want to know more about my personal feelings on that, I'll be glad to tell you about that one-on-one sometime. But, you know, you go to any denomination, there's going to be something that they get hung up on, and that teaching, while they think in their mind, is designed to help point you more toward God or help you live a better life, in some ways those false teachings become stumbling blocks to either someone coming to Christ or someone living a victorious life in Christ. I've got a friend, they don't live in this area, they actually live a few states away and a while back in a conversation with them via social media, this individual was struggling with a lot of things in their life because of some of the ways that they had lived and they grew up in church, uh, what type of church was not important, but Some of the things that she was taught in her upbringing led her to believe that because of the way she had lived her life in the last few years, God couldn't possibly love her. Scripture doesn't teach us that. But some of those teachings within that certain denomination had put her in that position where where she felt like she could never really have a relationship with God anymore. And it was about the same time that we were going through the deconstruction series. And if you didn't get a chance to watch that one, go back and watch it. I think it's one of the best series we've ever had here at Journey Church. And I was able to tell her, I said, hey, you need to watch this. And through her watching that and talking about different things, I'm happy to say that she is better off in her spiritual life than she has ever been. And it's been so cool to see how God's been doing things in her life because it's not anything I did, because again, I'm not a perfect person. It's not anything specifically Journey Church did, but, we were able to take some of those teachings that had gotten her derailed and get her the scriptural information to point her in the right direction that's false teachings okay now what are a what is a false teacher let's look at another passage of scripture these false teachers are like unthinking animals creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed see there's that destroyed theme again they scoff at things they do not understand and like animals, they will be destroyed. Now, I'm gonna park on that for just a second. Go back to that one for a second, Thomas. The scoff at things they do not understand. That's another reason I love the question culture that we have here because a false teacher, a lot of times, if you start asking them questions about something they don't understand, they're gonna brush that off. They're gonna be the, hey, I'm the final authority. What I say goes, listen to me. Don't worry about that stuff. You know, You just keep trucking off in this direction. I'll tell you, myself and everybody else that's involved in any form of teaching and speaking here at Journey, we'll tell you, if you come and ask us a question, there's a possibility we may not know the answer. And I'll tell you from a personal standpoint, I'm not just going to give you some answer because I want to give you some answer. Tony Cordero is one of my dearest friends, and Tony will ask me a question. And sometimes I have an answer for a question, but Tony, you can testify to this. There's Sometimes i have to say, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. And it prompts me to go learn more. And I think everybody that's on our staff is willing to do that because we want to all grow together. We don't want you to think we have it all figured out because we do not have it all figured out. At least I know I don't have it all figured out. So that when they scoff at things they don't understand, not willing to answer questions, that might be a good indication that you're dealing with somebody that's a fault teacher. And like animals, they'll be destroyed. All right, now let's keep moving. Their destruction is their reward, now that's pretty serious right there, for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in fellowship meals. So Peter's saying, these are folks that are doing what they're doing, and they're doing it in broad daylight. They're not even trying to hide it, so we need to be paying attention. That's why knowing scripture is so important. They commit adultery with their eyes, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people, unstable people, people that aren't firm in their knowledge of Scripture and God and firm in their relationship. That's why, again, it's important to read your Bible. They lure them into sin, and they are well-trained in greed, they live under God's curse. That's a lot to unpack in that. But the thing that I want us to draw from that is, that a false teacher's focus is not on God, really, or the things of God. The false teacher is wanting to point you toward themselves, so be very, very careful about that because while false teachings might cause confusion, I believe a lot of times even in the false teaching, the person's intentions are well intended, whereas a false teacher is a greedy person that's only looking out for their own self-promotion. And a good way to say that is they pray, not P-R-A-Y, but P-R-E-Y, on the believers. And this is why, like I said, personal growth in reading your Bible is so important. Because folks, they are out there. And I'm not just talking about the name it and claim it, prosperity gospel type people. Uh, You don't have to look under too many rocks to find a false teacher if you're really wanting to find one out there, because like we said, they do everything they do in broad daylight. They're not ashamed of what they are and who they are even though they won't admit to who they are. So with that in mind, let's jump into the next section that we're going to look at today. This is where we get into the day of the Lord, It Says, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come making the true or mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? from before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Now I wanna ask you a question. I don't want you to raise your hand. I just want you to answer this question to yourself. If you feel like raising your hand, feel more than welcome to do that, just realize people will see that. Just trying to be transparent here, folks. Here's the question. Do you ever feel like Jesus is never coming back? I'll, I'll be honest I have felt that way at times why because to put it in the vernacular of the common man the world we live in right now sucks okay can we agree on that even though you might not like me using the word suck um, but at least I got your attention and you'll remember that he said suck in church today uh, no telling us what I'll say half the time I don't even know before it comes out but You look at everything that's going on. You look at how liberal things are becoming. You look at all the problems in the world, and sometimes you sit there and go, Is this really going to happen? Well, here's the thing we need to be careful of in that. Everything in this book is true. Everything in this book is the inspired Word of God, and everything in here, like I said, is true. Now, if God said He's coming back and He doesn't come back, what does that make God? A liar. And if, God, if that makes God a liar, if God is a liar, God is therefore not perfect, if God is therefore not perfect, then salvation is not possible because it had to be a perfect sacrifice that had to be made, and if that's the case, we need to throw this in the trash can and just go live our lives any way that we want. But that is not the reason why Jesus has not come back yet. And it's not that he hasn't kept his promise because he fully intends to, to understand this and understand why he hasn't come back yet. We need to get a better understanding of how God views time and the reason for what we perceive as his delay in coming back. So let's look at the next passage that we get into here. But you not, must not forget this one thing. Here again, one thing really important. Dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Now I'm going to park there for just a second because I think this to me helps me understand this whole thing much better. God doesn't exist in time like we exist in time. Remember, God existed before time as we know it was ever even created. And while we live our life every day not knowing what the next day holds, God already knows. And no illustration is perfect, but this is the most logical one that I've ever had. Have any of y'all ever been to a movie? Okay. Do you realize when you're watching that movie, whether you realize you're watching it that way or not, you're watching that movie one frame at a time just very quickly. They're just popping through, boom, 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 boom. But all we see is that one frame followed by the next frame followed by the next frame by the next. And that's like we live our lives. We live our lives seeing one minute followed by the next minute by the next minute, so on, and we don't know what the next minute holds. Honestly, I don't like to think about this. I don't know if I'll be alive at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Okay, I have no guarantees about that. God knows. If I will, because instead of God watching it one frame at a time, it's almost like God can take the film and stretch it out and see every frame at one time, sees what has happened, what is happening, and what will happen. And again, not the greatest analogy in the world, but it kind of helps me understand that God already knows what's going on here at the end of the movie, even though I haven't seen the end of the movie yet. And that's why we can rely on prophecy and we can rely on the scriptures. But let's look at the rest of what this says. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. Let that one sink in just a second. He's being patient for your sake and my sake and your next door neighbor's sake that has never come to Christ or the person that you work with that think that you going to church makes you a complete idiot. He's being patient so that those folks might have an opportunity to respond. Now, will that patience run out at some point in time? Yes, it will. That's why you need to talk to Dan and learn more about what he teaches with the stuff about eschatology in times, if you don't know what that means. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. Now, think about that, because we use that word destroyed a a lot of times back in chapter 2, talking about what's going to happen to the false prophets. That's their reward, I mean, false teachers. That's their reward is their destruction, but wants everyone to repent. So God doesn't see time like we see time. And his desire is for us to repent. Now think about the time thing because time is weird. When you're five years old, it seems like a year takes forever. When you get to be my age, I'm 57. It seems like a year takes about 15 minutes. Um, there are different theories on that, and I can explain to you how, why I feel that things seem to go quicker as you get older. I think it's pretty simple, actually. But you know, time is different for God than it is us, and his desire. Is for you us me all of us to repent here's something I think that we need to understand Christ God doesn't send people to hell people choose to go by not accepting the free gift of salvation that God's presented for them and how hard is it to accept a free gift it's really not that complicated but it does require humbling yourself and realizing that you can't accomplish that on your own. And the only way that you can receive eternal life is by accepting that free gift that God offers you. And the only reason he can offer it is because he took care of all the conditions that need to be met in order for that to be possible. And he planned all that out before the beginning of the world. Think about that. He already had the plan in place for salvation before he ever said, let there be light, because he knew we were gonna screw up. Salvation wasn't plan B, it was plan plan A all along. All right, one more passage, or two more, I forget. We'll see what pops up, bear with me. Uh, Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should we live? Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Next one. Oh, that was it, okay. Okay. we need to live those godly lives based on all this, based on the fact that we know God is coming back, based on the fact that we know there are false teachers out there that can lead people astray, based on the fact that we know that this is the divine inspired authoritative word of God, we need to live those godly lives so that we can be closer to God but also so that we can play a part in pointing other people to Christ. So that leads me to this next to the last question. What are you living for? Who are you living for? If someone that is not a believer looks at your life what will they see will they see you screw up yes one of the main reasons non-believers say they don't want to come to church is because church is full of what hypocrites oh y'all know the answer to that one good Uh, I don't know the first service really caught on to that one as much y'all are the smarter group and now it's published for everybody so if anybody second service decides to look again they'll know I said that sorry guys I love y'all too Um, but you know Yes, they're hypocrites in church. And I'll fully admit to somebody that's a lost person if they say, well, you screwed up, you did this. Yeah, I most likely did. Sometimes I do things wrong because I mean to do them wrong. Sometimes I mean I do things wrong just because I'm an idiot and don't pay attention. If you don't believe that, ask my wife. She's sitting right back there. She'll tell you. Um, You know, that's just the way life is. But my hope, my prayer, my desire is that when people see me, they'll see that I'm trying to live this god who gave his life for me and i hope what they see in that is they can see me warts and all that i'm not perfect that i do screw up but that i'm striving towards something and that something is very very important to me now with that in mind look at how peter ends this passage you already know these things dear friends so peter's saying i'm not really telling you anything new you should already know all this so be on guard Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. didn't say lose your salvation, just lose your own secure footing. In other words, lose, make the best way, not lose your relationship with Christ, but damage your relationship to where it's not where it needs to be. Just like marriage, a relationship with Christ is something you have to be working on all the time. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, all glory to Him both now and forever. You must grow. How do you grow? It's very simple. Read your Bible. That's why we do this series every year, to encourage you to do that, to give you the tools that you need to do that, but also so that you can help better fulfill the mission and ministry of Journey Church, which I fully believe is also the ministry and mission of every believer to exist, to humbly point everyone to absolute hope. What is absolute hope? Absolute hope is the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. The hope that everything in this book is true. The hope that there is a God who loves us and created us for a relationship with himself and sent his only son to live a perfect life to die on a cross, to be buried, to rise again on the third day, to ascend into the heavens, to send the Holy Spirit to indwell with us and to make intervention for us every day so that we can have a relationship with Christ that doesn't just assure us that we get to go to heaven when we die, but allows us to live an abundant life daily through that relationship with Christ, regardless of the circumstances and suffering that we may face because we know he is who he says he is. He did what he said he was gonna do He will continue to do that. He will do what he says he was going to do, said he will will do what he said he will do, and one day he will come back. But if you're one of those people that are sitting here today and you are trying the patience of God, not like a kid tries the patience of a parent, but if you are waiting and waiting and waiting and you've never accepted that free gift of salvation, if you've never accepted that absolute hope, I want to encourage you that today be the day I'm not going to give an invitation. We're not going all Southern Baptist like that today. But when the service is over, uh, if you've been here any length of time, you know the cafe that's over there. And there's a little room there that we use for something called the space. Uh, When everybody left, somebody had the key and we can't get in the room for the space today. So I'm going to be standing over there. If you need to talk to me, if you've never accepted that free gift of salvation, come over there and talk to me. And if we need to have a private conversation, I promise you whatever you say to me doesn't go any further than me, you, and God. God. We can step out on the little patio area and talk if it's serious or we can find a room. We can do that. But if you need to accept God's free gift of salvation, please come talk to me today about that. It would be my honor and my privilege to tell you about how you do that and how you move forward. But maybe you're sitting here today and maybe you've been victim of some of these false teachings. Maybe you haven't been involved in your relationship with Christ like you need to be. And maybe you just need some words of encouragement. You need somebody to pray with you. I'd be glad to do that too. I am here for you for that. And again, I consider it my honor and my privilege because of the next to the last song that we sang. I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones. And it talks about in relationship to God it says, all my life you have been faithful. I'll admit I haven't been faithful to God all my life, but all my life he has been faithful to me. And I would love nothing more to help you understand more about that God that's been always faithful to you as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day and the time we've had together and we thank you for each person that's here today and online and pray that you'll just continue to speak to our hearts and show us how you want us to live. And Lord, thank you for the fact that you've given us all the tools that we need for that. Father, I pray especially for the one that may be here today that's never accepted that free gift of salvation. Lord, I just pray that today may be their day of salvation. Lead us and guide us as we go from this place and just help us each day. To better understand how we can point everyone to you and that absolute hope that you bring in Christ. And we pray, Amen.